Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. I'm here with the man we will call John for the duration of this call, and then that name shall be forever discarded, not his real name. And uh, I guess we'll start with the message that you had uh, sent to me, how we should start. Uh, we just read it away, I guess. Okay. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm John, a 28-year-old 28, 28 male from the Netherlands. I'm a very passionate young man with a lot of dreams and eagerness to learn. I live with the belief that I can achieve anything in life when I set my mind to it, yet I've struggled for years to be happy. There is one consistent thing I've been able to change, the incredible, un uh, consistent, looming loneliness that's eating, my, eating up my soul. Two decades of constant rejection by girls and women drove me to desperation. I've been trying to fill this emptiness with porn for years to a point where I'm so addicted it's neg negatively impacting my life and guided me to dark places. The dire need to be wanted, to be relevant in someone's life, to take on the world together and to just feel accepted is dragging me down. I've had many conversations with my inner staff, but somehow I still, I'm still stuck. I'm just stuck and desperate. I don't want, I don't want to stay. <coughs> I don't want to stay in this time. How do I go on? It's a very brave, honest, and direct message, and I really, really appreciate that, and and I really respect the courage it takes to write all that down. Just putting that sort of straight up, uh, up front. And I guess we'll start. Uh, I mean, it's funny because it sounds like oh, we'll just start in the usual place, but. It's usual as far as the place we start, but it's different, of course, for each individual. So why don't we start with a, a tour of your early years, your history, and so on? Yeah, okay. So uh, I'm born in a family of eight, but I'm the eldest, so when I was born, I was the only one. Um, yeah, my mother is from Suriname, which was uh, the colony of the Netherlands at one point. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, my geography has never been particularly strong oh, okay. for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you could uh, break that down a little more for me, that'd be small great. Small country, but everyone here knows where it is because it was a colony. But yeah, um, so it's it's above Brazil. So above Brazil, you have three countries: Guiana, French Guiana, and Suriname. Um, so the Netherlands it, had a colony in Brazil. Yeah. Well. Wow. That's. Never, I mean, I probably never, should know that, but I, I gotta confess, <laughs> yeah, I really. If I did know it, I don't remember it. So. Okay, that's cool. So your mother, is she Brazilian? I mean, obviously, she would be Brazilian by geography as a whole, right? Uh, no, no, no. So it's, it was never part of Brazil. Actually, it's a, the country was traded for New York before New York uh, was Am uh, New Amsterdam. They traded it for this country. Uh, so, but yeah, so the Dutch came there. And then since the Dutch were also very, um, <clears throat> let's say, good slave traders, <laughs> uh, they they had a lot of plantations there. So my mom is descendant from one of these slaves that were held there. Um, she came to the Netherlands when she was eight. So she only has child memories from the place and then later went back a couple of times for holiday. But yeah, a lot of people from there came over to the Netherlands before the independence. Uh, so a lot of culture came with it as well from the, from the, from the place. Okay, got it. Um, so yeah, my, my, I just I just want to correct something because it sounds yeah. like you've swallowed a fair amount of. It's what, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to mention you. It sounds like you've you've swallowed a fair amount of progressive education slash indoctrination. 
I mean, I, I, you know, it's true, I guess, that Europeans were very good slave traders, but everyone in the world was very good slave traders, and we couldn't match anywhere close to the blacks in Africa. We couldn't match anywhere close yeah. Yeah. to the uh, oh, Muslims. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, and so we, we actually, Europeans are very good yeah. slave enders, very good slave enders, uh, because we ended slavery. Uh, well, now the we is very loose, of course, there, but uh, Europeans ended slavery. And I just wanted to sort of point that out. It's kind of an inconsequential point, but I hate to let these, I've got a fetish for not letting these things pass unmentioned. Yeah, yeah. I'm very aware of that. So it's it's not like that I'm like, uh, like, of course, out of context, it sounds like I'm on and I would think that it's this way. But I know that the Europeans ended the slavery. I mean, especially in Suriname, because the Dutch ended the slavery there as well. So well, and the Dutch, uh, you know, got it, one of the it, first it, 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 uh, got yeah. one of the first stock trading systems, uh, stock markets going in the entire world, which is really the foundation okay. and feature of the free market. And so, and, a lot, and a lot of cool stuff. And the first stock crash with the Talibs, so that's also interesting. Right. Anyway, so yeah. sorry, it, but anyway, go ahead. So, and my dad, my dad is a native Dutch uh, and a farmer, so I grew up on a farm actually. Right. Uh, and the boats, Protestant Christians. Uh, uh, yeah, so my mom was, my, my grandparents from both sides were Protestant Christians, so my mother's side took it with them to the Netherlands. And that's okay. actually how they met on a camp, uh, like uh-huh. a holiday camp. Uh, yeah, so eight, eight children, I was the first. I've always been quite on my own, I guess, even though I had a lot of brothers and sisters. I just like to play alone <laughs> or something. Uh, to the annoyance of my sister, who often wanted someone to play with. And uh, would you consider yourself mixed race? Um, well, not besides me not liking categorize, categorizing people in such a big class as race. I, I'd rather use ethnicities, but yeah, I mix ethnicity. But I am... Um, yeah, I don't know. Mentally, I'm like fully Dutch. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I absolutely, yeah. Sorry, I just meant physically. Uh, because sometimes, yeah. as you know, I've sort of talked about this in the show before. Sometimes people who come from a mixed race background uh, do have certain issues sort of maybe where they fit in. And, and again, this may have absolutely nothing to yeah. do with your experience. I was just curious about that. Yeah, so I'm I'm mixed race like physically but i'm i'm on the light side so people do recognize that i'm not natively dutch so sometimes i do get the question oh what the country are you from um but you know i've it's interesting i've actually never encountered racism in schools even though i went to a very 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 christian strict christian school with like 99.999 percent white people Right. Okay. So, yeah. No. Yeah. It's just I was just curious about that. So you don't basically look like a totally native Dutch with a tan, but there's. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, what's the phrase? It's a pretty nasty phrase because it sounds like exotic. You have an exotic look to you or something like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And so eight. Wow. Eight. Eight kids. You said right. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, yep. I got to imagine that's slightly higher than the Dutch average. <laughs> what's the story with that? <laughs> Well, not traditionally. It used to be that the Dutch is very big families. I mean, the, the Dutch popul- even the Dutch population has grown from 5 million to 13 million in, in less than 100 years. So at one mm. point, they like big families. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's part of the traditional Christian culture, at least here, the Protestant culture. 
Uh, I know it's a kind of a stereotype sometimes, but you know, I guess it's true in this case. Uh, my mother once said, like, besides, she, she just liked babies at one point. Like, if if they would get the old, she she wanted the new one because at one point she just said she missed changing diapers. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I I understand but, uh, that. I I really yeah. babies are fantastic. So I I completely get where she's coming from. But <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. I, I think from a. Uh, from a fate standpoint, she said, like, well, well, they didn't use any contraception or something. And they, they said, like, uh, as long as God is giving us kids, he will also provide. So that's basically the thing. Uh, later, she, lately, she said to me, like, maybe it was not so, maybe she should have thought about it more. And maybe it wasn't the best move to get that many. Hmm. Right. Well, I mean, I guess yeah. you didn't want for companions, uh, although you may have occasionally wanted to want for companions, but you didn't, I guess, as a whole, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. All right. And I guess, uh, what was it like for you growing up? Mm, well, we lived on a farm, so it's quite, like, further off from the rest of like <laughs> the civilized world, although the Netherlands is quite a packed country. Um, I've been actually just just so you know. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so go I on. Did, I, I didn't know about you, and otherwise I would have uh, visited the talk or something. Um, but yeah, so it was always like playing at home, uh, and then being brought to school and being brought home from school. Uh, which period are you talking about for growing up? Well, I mean, I guess you went to a regular school from the farm, is that right? Yeah, so in a, a village nearby, it's about 15 minutes with the bike. Uh, I went to a Christian school, but my mother didn't find it Christian enough after I spent three years there. So then she sent me to an even stricter Christian school. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out, just, just sort of, sorry to interrupt, but sort of just based on your voice, it sounds like you're carrying a load. Is that so? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it sounds because again, look, I know it's an odd situation, right? You're talking to someone you've listened to for a while, and it's uh, mm -hmm. it's it's Skype, and you know, it's not face to face or anything. So, I know that it's an odd situation, but I do also, I mean, I think fairly have a fairly good sense of this after so long, mm -hmm. that it just sounds like uh, there's a weight on your words, a weight on your. Your your speech is kind of a little bit. Uh, I don't know how to. It, it's uh, monotone, not quite monotone, but uh, and again, could be a language thing. But you know, you're fluent, right, and all that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out now if you know anything about this burden, or uh, maybe I'm completely <laughs> wrong about this. Of course, I'm always an empiricist, and the the reality is you <laughs> and your experience. Yeah. But if you do know anything about this burden, if we could get to that first, otherwise, I can keep asking questions. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just nervousness and, well, I don't know, maybe my, my sound is a bit high voice because I'm breathing too high. I can try to relax a bit more, maybe that. I think relaxing it's, is good. Yeah. I mean, nothing nothing bad is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've done, you know, uh, yeah. I've talked to thousands of people in this way and to my knowledge, nothing bad has happened. So, <laughs> uh, hope, you know, I don't think it'll be you. I don't think you'll yeah. be the one to yeah. break yeah. the batting thousand for good things happen streak. So, uh, yeah, if you could, that'd be great. So, yeah. uh, okay, well, how were you disciplined at home? I mean, Christian, Protestant, I, I, I hesitate to say fundamentalist because that has all these kinds of connotations, but mm -hmm. how did that work at home? 
Mm. Yeah, I, I guess on the scale of strict, it's not the most strict Protestant you can find. Like uh, at school, for example, where I went, there was all these rules about girls having to wear skirts always and boys long pants and boys weren't allowed to have long hair. Th these rules weren't really there at home, but it was quite strict in the sense that like on, on Sunday, two times to church, uh, uh, reading the Bible multiple times a day, uh, and yeah, and they did hit me when I was young. Um, not like beat, but like spank, I guess. And how often would that happen? Um, yeah, I think. I find it hard to find an average for that, but like once every two, three weeks, not like daily or something. But and was no. that fairly evenly distributed among the eight kids? Was there one, maybe you, more or less than the others? I guess it was fairly evenly distributed for the first, and then later my parents became, they changed their view on this, and like my youngest brother is barely barely gets any spanking so right okay and how are your siblings doing in life as a whole um i think yeah so my my sister below me uh has married already uh, she lives in her own house now with her with her husband and uh, i'm getting i'm becoming uncle already yeah very soon yeah that's also but that's first. of course part of why we're call, we're talking, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I have to say it feels a bit strange. Like all my brothers and sisters seem to be able to get relationships and even marry and get kids, and I'm still here. I, yeah, <laughs> on my own. Right. Um. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. I, I've tried, I have to say, I've been kind of obsessed with girls for a lot of my youth, and that's tuned down. Um, but obsessed in the sense from, from a distance, but it's weird. Like, hmm. Maybe you can ask some things because I'm kind of... Yeah, no, no problem. To... I've, I just, I didn't <laughs> want to interrupt your thought, but uh, I'm, I'm okay. happy to ask. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your dating history. Yeah, so I had I've only had one official relationship of three months, and that was I'm sorry, how many years ago? I, I think. Uh, sorry, how many? Three months? years ago, I had one relationship of three months. Three okay. months. Okay. Okay. It's basically through a summer. Um, and furthermore, um, yeah, before she was like the first one I had relationship with and the first one I had like real sex with. I've like dated a few girls before, um, but before it was mostly like asking a girl out or and being rejected or I know in the early times I would straight up just ask them to be my girlfriend and be rejected. What, you mean instead of asking <laughs> for a date, you'd ask them to be your girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, so talking like high school days. 
That's a bit premature elaboration there, my friend, <laughs> because, you know, you're supposed to, you know, ask a couple of dates first to uh, yeah. see, see if you like each other, right? It's, it's, I mean, if you say to a girl, be my girlfriend or do you want to be my girlfriend, you're kind of signaling that you don't have any real standards because, you know, you don't say, well, you know, me awarding the title of girlfriend is kind of an honor and uh, I want to make sure that uh, it's the right uh, person and or like you're just like, hey, be my girlfriend, whoever you are, right? Like yeah. that old the, the door song, "Hello, I love you." Won't you tell me your name? <laughs> yeah, well, it, like it was high school, and I was very, I I lagged behind on social development for a lot of a long time in high school. Uh, uh -huh. Part of it was because being bullied. Um, eventually, I changed schools from a very strict school to uh, a more like name Christian school, as in they were Christian, but. Like you, you wouldn't know if in in going there. Um, but it was a lot looser there, and because it was like a new area, I did like a speed course in social development with some people I trusted. Throughout a couple of years, I had to make up for like eight years of lagging behind or something. What happened with the bullying? Like, what was the story of it? <laughs> It's weird because it it seemed to get on every time I switched class or switched school. And I never really know what it was about because they never really bullied me specifically about the subject. So it wasn't about my color or was it about... No, it was just making fun of, of things I did in the moment or something. Right. And how would it manifest? Was it physical? Was it verbal? Uh, other ways? Or how? It was mostly verbal. And the, the, the most common way was just uh, shutting me out. Uh, so letting me sit alone. Oh, just like ostracism. Corner. Yeah, ostracism. Um, but also like verbal, like uh, 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 swear word. No, how do you call that? Um, calling names. Um, and what would they call you? I think I, I think I pushed that away. I don't know. You must have some memory of it. Uh, um, I think this, this like stupid or weird, weird kid or was there anything? Nerd. I think things like Sorry, nerd and stuff. Like yeah, things nerd. like nerd. That was mostly it. Yeah. Right, right. And was there anything? Um, was there anything it, it was, sort of unusual? It went physical at some points, by the way. I'm sorry. It, it it went physical at some points, by the way. And what would happen there? Um, so sometimes I would be here. Uh, there was a lot of table football. I don't know if you know that with like the rotating sticks and stuff. Table football, like Sibutio? Well, it's it's like a big ta table with a with like all these sticks inside with little oh dice. yeah 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 i know that one yeah yeah Foosball. So I became very yeah i became very good at that just to like have something to like be good at to show but then uh if, if sometimes they set me up and then some guy would hit me because they thought i did something wrong or something hmm. but like like full in the stomach with like a full fist oh like w over can't breathe kind of thing yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Not on the neck. Not on the neck. 
I'm sorry? <laughs> not on the neck. Now, you're laughing about this, right? That's completely screwing up the conversation. I, I guess. I don't know. Maybe no, no, I... no, no. Come on, man. You, you've listened to this show for a long time, right? I know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you, you know, every time yeah. you hear someone laugh about their abuse mm -hmm. and you hear me call them on it, you're like, oh, man, I can't believe people laugh about this stuff, right? And then yep. everyone and gets then, on the show and, you do it. and does the yeah. same thing, right? Yeah, I guess it's human. Uh, yes, but, uh, well, actually, it's inhuman in a way. Yeah, yeah. Because you're inviting me to dismiss yep. what yeah. is, so, yeah, it's pretty formative for you, right? It's pretty powerful for you. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to. So if you could just hold off mm -hmm. on that. I mean, if you're yep. going to tell me about being punched as a child by, I assume, mm -hmm. older, bigger boys, I'm not going to laugh with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, was there anything uh, about yeah, your appearance? One time, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, one time they put porn pictures in my bag and like a tampons and my mom would find out when i came home she would empty my bag for like the lunchbox and stuff and she would like what's this i ha i hadn't seen any porn back then yet so that was kind of like embarrassing and shocked that this it was embarrassing because my mom found it like i didn't i think that was one of the worst things they did that's wild. That's, I mean, that's really horrible. I mean, that's so... Because that's not spur of the moment, right? That's not... Mm -hmm. I mean, so some, sometimes we think of bullies like, uh, oh, you know, they lose their temper and they lash out and so on. But that's really calculated, right? That's really... Yeah. That's really pre-planned. That's first-degree bullying, right? Yeah. With with intent and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah that yeah, is... Yeah, like search for my bag in the hallway... Right. Knowing which it is and print, like even like going on the computer and printing out the pictures to put them in. It's like, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a real setup. Was there anything about your appearance that was unusual at the time that may, may, they may have hooked into for us? Um, I think the one thing that a teacher once or like a, 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 the class, the class mentor or something uh, talked to me about was that I had kind of a smell. Like body odor, oh. but I How never realized that, that myself. Um, I think fourteen or something. Yeah, 15. that was so post puberty, right? All kids yeah. start to stink up around puberty. Uh, it, yeah. ch children below that, you know, babies, toddlers, latency period, and so on. There's almost none of that, but yeah, uh, you know, puberty and post puberty. Yeah, everybody starts to stink up the place. I had the sort of same yeah. experience I've talked about on the show before, it, but. It was like it might be worse for me because of my mixed race, like because, the, yeah. Uh, also because maybe our eating habits at home, like we we would often eat more from my mother's side kind of culture, because oh. it's just very nice food. <laughs> so it may have been breath plus body, right? Yeah, yeah. But also so much that even if I would shower every morning, it would still smell in the day. Well, you, you got to do the shower doesn't do it, right? Deodorant plus shower yeah. might, right? Yeah, deodorant too. It's just like it would only work for like a couple of hours and then right? to, really? and even if it was a quiet day, yeah. So it's like even daily bathing plus deodorant and you still, is that still an issue for you? Um, less so, but every now and then someone still like, like, like kindly tries to tell me that or something. Right, yeah. right, okay. 
but yeah, I never smell it myself. And that's like, I, I know it's different, for example, when I do sports and then like you, like I really smell it, but like if it's a normal day and I've just gradual going on my, my business, then I don't smell anything, but apparently other people do. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so maybe an, that was an odor. Yeah, an odor. And now this is something, of course, that your family didn't talk to you about, right? No, not really, no. They, they might mean, also really? have not known it because they grew up with me. So they might be used to my smell as well. Well, you know, I mean, parents can smell their children, right? Hmm? And it is also one of these things where, you know, you, you, you sort of responsible parenting is sitting down your kids around puberty and saying, okay, you, you know, welcome to your, your new little friend called body odor, right? And you're going to have, this is something yeah. you're going to have to deal with, you know. It's something you have to deal with, and that's the downside. The plus side is we don't live in the Middle Ages where you have got to kiss a woman who's never brushed her teeth, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, but that yeah. that didn't happen. Uh, I, I don't think. I think you'd no. remember it. No. You? Yeah, maybe once, or like my mother would like, buy deodorant for me or something. Hmm. But um, nothing. I did remember. Where they sit down explicitly and say, this is yeah. the issue, right? I did remember when I was, I think. Till I was 10 or something, I would pee my pants a lot, but not like let everything go, but just like not go to the toilet and then just it would drip out and then I would just keep on going with whatever I was doing. And then, the, of course, we start to stink. But that was oh, only no. till I, as long as I was a kid, so like till 10. Like, Why did you not? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's pretty, un your body makes it pretty uncomfortable when you need to pee and you don't. So what kept you away from the bathroom? I think maybe more important things going on. Uh, like I'm building this Lego thing and I want to finish it first and then I'll go if I finish the thing. But then, of course, you get new ideas. So you want to finish that. And it's like. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, all, all kids have that. I want to finish stuff. Yeah. Was there a fear that one of your siblings would trash the place or you'd lose it or it would be taken or. No, I think it's just. Yeah, so I think it's related to this that I'm, I can I can get lost in my mind, in my imagination, and just forget about the real world. Yeah, and and that's that's a fine thing. I mean, that's that's where imagination is is good, right? I mean, and all of mm -hmm. that. So I'm trying to figure out though, was the bathroom? I mean, with with ten kids, sorry, ten people in the household, I guess, was the bathroom kind of full or like I'm trying to figure out what would keep you away from the bathroom. No. No, it would just be available. My, my mom would often be like, she would have to ask, like, have you gone to the bathroom? And I was like, and then and then I would feel it like, oh, yeah, yeah, actually, I do have to go. And this went on from toddlerhood to 10? Yeah, something like that. Okay, so did your parents sit down with you and sort of try and sort this out? Like, figure out what your thinking is and how to fix it? Because I guess your mom's doing extra laundry mm -hmm. and all of that. And, and, yeah. like, and, and there's, of course... Uh, there's uh, infection issues, there's the uric acid, the, the, the sting, right, and all of that. So uh, mm. it's, a, I mean, it's, a, it's, an, it's a fairly important childhood issue to, to deal with. Yeah, right? yeah. I guess sometimes, I, I don't think they ever try to figure out my thought process. Just ask, or just sometimes my mother would approach me like it happened again with like a certain face that she made that I can remember. Like a sort of, sort of a disappointed face, I, I think. Yeah. And then I would be, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, actually, I, okay. And then I would 
like quietly go to my room and change my pants or something. Oh, so she would notice the urine in the front of your pants? Yeah, or like the smell or whatever. And so she would just be sort of, was it disgust or disappointment or something else? You said disappointment. uh, Yeah, disappointment mostly, I think. So she would express a negative opinion of you or of the event, I suppose, Mm -hmm. but wouldn't sit down and say, okay, let's try and figure out what your thought process is, where, where this is going, like where this is going. What's happening? Yeah, I can't remember that she did, but doesn't mean it didn't happen. But at least no, I you would remember. remember. You would remember. Yeah. So, hmm. the difficulties that you faced. What resources did you have trying to help you with those difficulties? Parents, teachers, a priest, uh, extended relatives. I mean, you've got you know probably fifty people in your life uh, who can, and probably not your younger siblings or anything, right? But You've got a lot of people in your life who can help you with these issues. And did you get any help with these issues? Um, not really. I would always, I always thought I could fix it myself or that I should fix it myself. So you're putting the blame on yourself? Yeah. Why? Um, because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm there, right? So I can... I should have noticed. I should have. Well, no, no, no. All all children's (laughs) first instinct is to go to their parents for help. Hmm. Right? I mean, this is from being a baby, right? You're hungry and your mom's got to breastfeed you or give you something, right? Yeah. And so, you know, when you need to be changed, you need to be changed, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, we we all start with the instinct to go to our parents for help, for aid, right? So I guess my yeah. question is, and, and I'm sure at some point you thought of it or approached it or broached the subject or whatever, right? But then you decided not to and you battled this stuff for, you know, year after year after year without talking to your family. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. And why? Um, the most feeling I can remember is like shame, like it would be shameful to tell them. Okay, and now why would it be shameful to tell them? Maybe because of the facey case of disappointment? Well, guessing won't help, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, because uh, it's like you're guessing a game that only I know the answer to, but unfortunately or fortunately, this is a game yeah. where only you know the answer, right? Uh, only I know the answers. So why, if you're being bullied or, or whatever, right, then why, why would you take that on yourself? Like, it's your fault. Or feel shame for what other bad kids are doing to you. It's weird because I can't remember not ever thinking that it wasn't something I couldn't solve. If I just... Well, but that's, better that's nonsense, best. right? Because you couldn't solve it. It is, but... No, no, you hold the illusion out that you could solve it in order to avoid having to go to your parents. Did you ever tell them about being bullied? Like, even as an adult, when you were bullied as a kid? I have told them as as an adult, yeah. And what did they say? My mom mostly just got angry at the kids, like, oh, they treated you like shit back then. Oh, so she knew about it? 
Yeah, well, at least later, like not maybe the early stuff. But I mean, except like, for example, the point thing, like from that point, for sure, she knew what happened. And that was like quite early at school. So. Yeah, of course. I'm um, sorry. I completely skated over that. But she would say, oh, my gosh, yeah. what's this doing in your bag? And you'd be like, I didn't put that there. Yeah. And like, oh, the kids are really trying to cause problems this is more than just hitting you right i mean this is really trying to cause mm -hmm. problems in your primary relationships this is really sadistic right yeah so what yeah. did she do once she knew you that you how old were you when that happened mm, i think 12 12 okay so Maybe, yeah 12 but and did she know anything about the bullying before that i don't think so she did know that i wasn't very social in class but, I mean, she wouldn't know also because, you know, you'd be bullied and you'd come home and your mom would say, how was school? And you'd say, fine. But you wouldn't tell her, right? Yeah, we just, like, short answer. See, she said at one point that she would just had stopped asking because I wouldn't tell anyway. Right. Right. And I, I can, if you want, because I know you're an analytical guy, right? So I can mm -hmm. tell you why I'm asking all of this. Mm -hmm. You don't have a girlfriend because outside of sex, why would you bother because you look at your relationship with your parents and you're like, well, there's no intimacy, there's no trust, there's no honesty, there's no utility. Your parents don't help you. They don't help you figure out yourself. They don't help you solve social dilemmas or social situations. So outside of sex, what's the point of having a relationship? And the sex you can, or the sexual urges you can deal with through pornography, right? And so, yeah, that's, I mean, if you want to know why. It's because you've normalized this and said, well, what your parents, how your parents handled all of this with you. Well, that's just marriage. It's not anything unusual. This is just the way it is, right? And so because of that, like, why would you want to recreate what your family had? I mean, that would just be to reinflict the isolation that you experienced as a child on your own children. And I assume that the distance your mother had from you was also reflected in the distance she had from her own husband. Because otherwise... If one parent miss, if if your parents have a close relationship and one parent misses something, the other parent will notice it and bring it up and point it out, right? Mm -hmm. And so your parents were distant from each other, I would imagine. Your mother and your father were certainly distant from you. And as your firstborn, you think that they would do something. And they knew you were being tortured and bullied and they didn't do anything about it. And they knew that you peed your pants a little bit uh, through a focus and they didn't help you with that. They knew about the social issues and didn't sit down to help you figure that stuff out. So why on earth would you want a family if it's just back to the same alienated, non-contact nonsense you had as a kid? Because you think that's all families, which is kind of why you laugh. But it's not all families. That's, that's really bad. It's a really bad family structure. This is a, like you're bullied because the kids know you don't have a mama bear. You don't have a father bear. Like you're bullied because the kids can, you know, sense deep down with this predatory instinct that kids possess, that no one is coming to help you. No one is coming to save you. No one's going to stand up for you. No one's going to confront them. No one's going to tell them their behavior to their parents. And so you have made this normal, which is perfectly natural, right? That's what kids do. You make it normal in your mm -hmm. head. But then why on earth would you want to recreate that since it caused you so much suffering like, what I'm saying is but, there's a gap and, between you and your parents, and the bullies are a shadow cast by that gap, if that makes any sense. The bullies 
aren't acting of their own accord. Their bullies are acting because they're dragged in by the gravity well of your lack of connection with mm-hmm. your parents yeah. or your priest or your extended family, your aunts, your uncles, you name it, right? And so because you've normalized all of this, why on earth would you want it? I mean, sexual needs are taken care of. And if this is what it is for you to have a family, there's nothing appealing in it that I can see. But it like the okay. I wonder if you mean a difference between that's the reason why I don't have a girlfriend versus that's the reason why I didn't want to because I did want a girlfriend. Like I, I wanted ex. I wanted what what missed like. What you said, that close connection that wasn't there. That's why I wanted the girlfriend. Like, I can remember that, like, maybe from, like, age 12, I was already thinking about, um, okay, I wish I can marry as early as possible, maybe even before the I was 18. Like, I would go to, you, in my country, you would have to go to the, to the king to ask permission to marry before your legal age. And I would just find the lovely girl of my age and then I would marry at 16 together and then like I wanted that connection I wanted the girlfriend because I wanted that connection okay and, and that's the surface thought for for sure and this is why you would go to girls and say would you not would you like to go on a date but will you be my girlfriend mm-hmm. you're trying yeah, to move but exactly. you know that didn't work right so here's the thing, right? I mean, this is the level of sophistication that I'm sure you have, right? But I'm going to assume that mm-hmm. you have, which is, yeah. um, you're how old now? 28. 28. Okay. So you got uh, 12 years of dating poss- possibility, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe more or less, but let's just say 12, right? Yeah. So you got 12 years of dating. Everything you have done has not worked, right? Mm-hmm. But you haven't changed it. And what that means is you want it to not work deep down, right? At the surface, you may say, oh, I want a girlfriend. I want. But if, if you have not successfully had a relationship in 12 years, and I know we had the three-month thing over the summer three years ago, but if you've not had a successful relationship or really a relationship at all over 12 years, it's because you don't want a relationship. Now, maybe that's changing for you now, and that's why we're talking. Oh, yeah, but for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, you don't want. Now, there's an old cartoon from when I was a kid. It's a 50s dad and a sort of hippie teenager lying on the couch listening to music. And the dad says, why don't you go and get a job? Go and get a job. And then the guy goes in like shorts and a T-shirt, unbathed, flies around him. He goes up to the counter of a department store and he says, hey, man, you're not, like, looking for any workers or here or anything, are you? And, of course, he doesn't get the job, and then his dad says, hey, I thought I told you to get a job. He's like, hey, I didn't get the job, but you can't say I didn't try. I went out. I asked around, right? Now, clearly, of course, he did, but he didn't want the job, right? And so everything that you have done that hasn't resulted in you getting a, in a girlfriend in 12 years, well... That's number one. But, number two is that... But why would I then fall so madly in love with so many girls? Like like physically, like I couldn't eat kind of falling in love. So or tell like, me a bit more about that. 
so often I would if I if there was a girl and then often it was sparked by like a moment together or something that was like fun and then I would just like obsessively fall in love with the girl like I don't know friend but of you said physically if, though if, if infatuation no but you like, said I would feel it in my body like I, oh so it wasn't just like her looks or her sex of, no 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 yeah so it was like like uh, there would all kinds of feelings would go through my body for like when I thought about the girl like so much that I would lose all I don't I didn't couldn't eat because I didn't feel hungry or I did feel hungry and her not hungry at the same everything was confused like they're kind of in love like everything is just and that would happen like quite often like like if one girl would reject me and then a few months later like I would be very hurt and like cried a lot that there was rejected and then a few months later I would fall in love with another girl I saw and then would and it was a repetition repetition all over again like it was feeling of in love pain feeling of in love pain feeling of in love pain this from for me now the feeling of falling in love is associated with uh, inevitable pain so I've come to hate feeling that way like if yeah right but I'm a little confused as to why those emotions would be associated with love. Um, because I don't know. It's <laughs> it's not love, right? I've never, I've never asked. Yeah, a friend of me called it infatuation or something. I didn't know that word before, but well, it's, it's, it's obsession is probably closer, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I don't know. I, just, I, I always thought from the stories they call something like that when you feel butterflies in your stomach. They call that in love. So I guess I that's why I've been calling that in love for all my life. It's a good question. I've never actually asked that to myself. So love, a given. But love is our involuntary response to virtue if we're virtuous. Mm -hmm. And what you're talking about is. I mean, you could call it fusion, codependency, neediness, obsession. Hmm. But what happens is you promote the woman to the salvation of your life, and then you get paralyzed, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, but women were goddesses for me. Yeah, you, you can't be yourself around her. You can't be natural. You can't be honest. Mm -hmm. You can't be relaxed. So you, she is now the salvation of your life. She is the, the only source of happiness and right they call this one itis yeah. it's kind of a brain affliction or a mm -hmm. groin affliction perhaps right and so this woman mm -hmm. becomes your salvation and then you can't get her to go out with you right yeah because you can't approach a woman as a supplicant as a, a beggar i mean you can mm -hmm. but any woman with any self-respect is going to just like not respond to that right yeah because she's looking for you not to fall in love with her. She's looking for you to be competent in the world. Because your love ain't going to pay the bills. Your love ain't going to feed the babies. Your love ain't going to... Right? You need to be good in the world. And yes, she wants you to attach to her and all of that. But she needs you to not be facing her, but to face the world and take her, take you with, take her with you. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're just like, you know, you're my everything, you're my, I mean, there's all this crap that's produced by culture, you know, I can't feel my face when I'm with you. Like, this is a guy who's literally got mm -hmm. Novocaine head because he's so attached to this girl. 
And, you know, I guess that might be nice for a certain shallow kind of ego vanity. But when it comes to the actual purpose of attraction, which is to build a stable household for kids, Mm -hmm. the fact that you're obsessed with some girl, well, it's not going to pay the mortgage, right? And that's exactly another point, I think. I'm so bad at that. Oh, yeah, no. So I did I did want to ask sort of where you are work-wise, resource-wise, income-wise. Yeah, so currently I have my own business. Uh, if I count up the numbers, I make less than if I would have a minimum wage job. Oh. Um, I rent a house for my parents. Like, my parents don't live here, but... Um, the house is owned by my parents. It used to be the house from my grandfather. And I rent from them, so it's cheaper than uh, another place I could get. And how many hours a week uh, do you work? It, it differs. Uh, I think on average is it's around 30 or something. It's hard to say because... My my business is actually very unstructured, and I don't really have a like I have a I have a vision for what I want. I'm like I am passionate about history and about bringing it back to life. So that's like I developed skills over like basically since high school of game making, 3D everything. I can, I can I'm sorry, game making. Yeah, game making, programming, uh, 3D art, everything. Like, I, I know everything about game making, all the different aspects. Oh, and have you made games? No successful. No, I haven't released anything. I've only made starts of games. Like, I have whole folders with starts of games. Do you have the feeling deep down that you're going to live forever? I'm, I'm a little confused here. <laughs> like, you're pushing so, 30, dude. Yeah. What the fuck? I can't focus on one on one idea. I, I, yeah, I you can. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, if, if you... I no, 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 hang on, idea. hang on, hang on. No, not acceptable. Not acceptable. I'm a free will guy. When you tell me it's impossible to focus on something, when you also told me that as a child you peed your pants because you didn't want to break focus, I just call bullshit. Sorry, I got to be firm with you here, right? Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Don't tell me you can't focus. Of course you can but you've given up on women, so why would you need a career? I mean, I'm not saying you've given up on women, but it's been so, such a long streak of no success that a man's ambition is driven by family. It's driven by the need to provide, the desire to provide, right? Yes, yeah, very much. You've got no one to provide for. You're kind of like a half squatter in your parents' house, mm-hmm. right? So you're just orbiting nothing here, right? Yeah. And there's no way forward, no future. I mean, maybe you could work to make your business better or whatever, but I assume that's mostly right. reactive, right? You're not out there drumming up business. You're just waiting for the calls or and then just doing some stuff, right? Yeah, so it's, currently it's only driven by passion, and passion comes in waves. Passion comes in waves. Like, Oh, so you just have to wait for the... Like you're a surfer. If, the, the, if there's no waves, you can't do it. Yeah, so that's like uh, so you have yeah. no control I, I would work on a week like I have an idea and I would work on a week for a project and I have some basic stuff working and I it looks 
looks good already on the pictures and then it's like and then after that week the machine is gone and it's like and i'm sitting okay i'm going to continue and then it's like a freeze or something and then it's like two weeks of just slumbering and watching youtube videos watching porn and then mm. suddenly get new idea and i start working for a week and on a new project not the same project yeah people don't pay for <laughs> people don't pay for half projects they really don't why okay so it sounds like you just don't know how to get things done in in a way and yeah. I, I don't mean to insult your intelligence i know you're a very smart mm -hmm. guy and all of that but you don't i mean a lot of what we do is not that much fun right yeah i mean i used to be able to upload i used to be able to live stream to youtube and then it would just go out to everywhere else right mm -hmm. and now you know i got a live stream i got to download i got to compile i got to do the audio i've got to upload it to a wide variety of sites so it just takes forever right yeah and it's it's boring as hell mm -hmm. i'm sorry i can hear a background noise i'm not sure what that is oh yeah sorry uh, it's raining Oh, that's fine. That's and, fine. And I have a thin roof, so I can't do anything about it. All right, you don't have a basement or anything you can go to, do you? No, I, there's no basement. Okay. So, yeah, I, 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 get, I mean, I, I can't sort of, men, other than to mention, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what passion has to do with it. I mean, passion is is a very a very childlike way of looking at things you need to get done as an adult. Because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of what you need to get done as an adult is not that much fun. Yeah. And, but you seem to have, you give yourself permission that if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Is that right? Yeah. But I don't see how that's the case. In reality, right? I mean, you know that there's things you yep. should do that is not that much fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I know. But you have this thing where, I mean, it's funny, right? So so l look at the house around you, right? It's mm -hmm. a fairly nice house, I assume, right? Yeah, it's an old farm. It's a nice house. Yeah, okay. It's a, all right. So if, like, would you have any place to live if you were the contractor? In other words, if you had to put in month after month after month of exacting hard labor to build this farmhouse or this farm as a whole, would you have finished it, given your current work habits? I guess not. No. no. You wouldn't have any place to live, right? Mm -hmm. Think of the computer that you're using. Think of the headphones, the internet, the cables, the electricity. Would any of it exist if people had your work ethic? No. No. So everyone else has to do things they don't want to do and work hard so that you can enjoy all of the things that you enjoy, but you're different, right? You're an exception to that rule. You don't have to do that. Mm. I mean, let's say the electricity went out on your farm and you call the electric company, right? And the guy says, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'll be out there today to fix it, right? Mm -hmm. And he doesn't come that day or the next day or the next day. And you keep calling and he's like, you know, man, I, I'm just not feeling the passion for it. I, I drove halfway, but suddenly I... Yeah, like I just, him. I ran out of, you know, I just, I got distracted and, you know, some, some good porn yeah. popped up on my phone. And <laughs> I pulled off to a quiet corner to take care of business. You know, like, you, you'd be like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Come out and fix my damn electricity, right? Mm -hmm. Or you go to the dentist and they, you know, oh man, you, you, you got a cavity to fill, right? And they half fill the cavity and then they say, you know what, I... 
I don't really feel like finishing the rest of it. And they just leave. Yeah. Right? You'd be incensed, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, you can't leave me here with half a cavity filled. What the hell am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. Everyone else. Everyone else has got to work hard mm-hmm. and do their job so that you, but you don't have to, right? Well, I know I have to. It's not like I, I'm not denying that, like, meant, like, obviously. Well, you kind of did. I mean, if you want to, we can't rewind live, but when you listen back to this later, you kind of did. Because mm. you're like, ah, oh, you know, I just, I don't feel the passion. Or like, you didn't say, oh, I'm totally messing up and doing the wrong. You'd like, you gave yourself the out of like, I didn't feel like it. Yeah, but I don't like that part of myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I, all I can do is go on what you tell me, right? Yeah, okay. And now when you talked about it, you just said, oh, I didn't feel like it. Not like, oh, I can't believe I have this thing where I don't feel like it. I don't do it. I hate that. All I can do is, like, you can, like all I can do is go with what you tell me, right? Mm-hmm. So then if you tell me later when you didn't say you hated it at the time and you didn't really seem to have any discomfort with it, you could tell me later as you have, oh, but I don't like that part of myself. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> all I can do is, I mean, I can't read your mind. All I can do, I can't even see your face. Yeah, right? yeah. All I can do is go with what you tell me, right? Mm-hmm. And then what yeah. happens is if you say to me, I know I talked about it like I was fine with it, but I also wanted to add, just so you're not confused, that I hate this part about me, right? Mm-hmm. You don't do that, right? You say, oh, I just run out of energy, I run out of passion, or I don't feel like doing it. And then I point out that that's kind of hypocritical given what you expect from others. And then they're like, oh, no, but I hate that part of myself with no reference to what you said earlier. And again, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not bitching at you. I'm not trying to criticize you mm-hmm. at all. I'm just sort of pointing out it's a bewildering and disorienting experience mm-hmm. when the conversation doesn't hang together or doesn't seem to have any continuity, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that may be interfering with your capacity to bond with someone, right? So what happens but, when you... Yeah. But maybe it's because in my in my head, those are contradictions too. And well, uh, maybe, like, yeah, like maybe I just, the porn addiction is a good example of that and why I still have it. Like... I discussed that with myself for having it, but also I don't want it to go away. Well, but the porn addiction is, serves a purpose to keep you away from women. Hmm. Because as you say, falling in lust with a woman is a very painful experience and it's doomed to failure. Yeah. Right? So the porn is like a, um, a vaccine against women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And so you can't deal with the porn until you deal with what do you want out of a woman? What mm. value will the woman will the woman bring to you, to your life? Mm. And that's my question. What value? I don't mean in the abstract or like, you know, it'd be great if she, but like practically and tangibly, what value? Yeah. Let's say that a high quality woman shows up in your life tomorrow and she shows some interest in you and she comes over what mm-hmm. happens? Um, she she supports me. She wants me. She she wants to take on life. I I often say like adventures, but not adventures as in going to some strange country, but just like take take on the challenges and like the difficulties of life together. 
-hmm. that's very abstract, right? It is, I know. It is um, fine. But now, do you remember the first thing you said? Take on life together? Was that the first? No, first thing you oh, said no, was supports me. It supports me, yes. Supports you. Right. What does that mean? Um, I have the idea what I think it means, but I can't put it in. I'm trying to put it in description. Um, what would she fix in your life? Um, not my work ethic, I guess. No, that's real. Let's be honest. Just yeah, be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is not the time to hold back or to, to think yeah, of what the right having... answer is to say, right? Just just be frank. Yeah. I want someone to work for, like not for as in boss, but as in to have a reason to work. Right. Now, how would she fix your work ethic? By wanting to be proud of me. And I wanted to fulfill that. Okay, so she could somehow make you a better worker. What else? And she could give me kids that I then have to provide for. So she could just jumpstart you, so to speak. Um, she would give you a reason to work, right? Mm-hmm. Now. I, I remember, if I get it, give an anecdote. I remember one girl I dated, and like I, I have a s small sailing boat, and I've, I've need, been needing to work on that to to sail in it, and I, I didn't do that for the whole winter, and it was summer, and I couldn't sail yet. But then I started dating this girl, and we were talking about the sailboat, and she's like, "Yeah, I, I want to work on that, and I want to sail with you," and then suddenly, <laughs> I was able to finish the the entire project just before she arrived so we could sail so i could i could sail with her and like come somewhere and suddenly what like, happened to that uh, sorry what happened to that relationship oh um and it's horribly like all the others but it what never was what, what it never it never really went into a like relationship but um Eventually, she told me she um, she told me she wasn't good enough for me, which I always find it weird if women tell me that. Yeah, and it's not true. What she means is you're not good enough for her. I mean, we could be men and speak about these things frankly, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I want you to think of something. You're a slender fellow, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do? You, do you find uh, obese women attractive? Oh, uh, very. You can say no. But, it's fine. like if you had the choice between a slender woman yeah. and an obese woman, who would you choose? Yeah, the slender one. Yeah, you're not a chubby chaser, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now let's say that you meet a woman and she's three hundred pounds, right? Mm-hmm. And then she says. I'm waiting for the right guy to come along so I can lose the weight. What would you say? 
Yeah, that's kind of shitty. Wait, why? Like, um, it's something like you shouldn't depend on someone else to fix something for you. Yeah. Now, would you sit there and say, well, you know, I'll go out with this woman for a year or two and I'll see if she loses the weight? And then I would probably assume from the start that it's not going to happen. Right. Because if she wanted to lose the weight, it shouldn't depend upon the man. It should be a value that she has, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You understand why I gave you this analogy, right? Yeah. Why? Because that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. This is is, so you are the 300-pound woman. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Because you're 28 years old, you make no money, and you live in a farmhouse with a tin roof provided by your parents. Mm-hmm. Now, a woman who's roughly your age, she's not looking for a fixer-upper. You understand? Yeah. Either in the house or in the man. She's looking for someone because she's going to want to have kids within the next year or two, right? Mm-hmm. And what's she going to see when she looks at you? Yeah, I can't even provide enough money for my own house, let alone for a whole family. Right. Now, listen... For those, and for those who hear this later, right? John is a good-looking guy. I have questions about the hair choice, which we'll get to later. But you got this whole sort of... No, you've got this whole smoky-eyed Johnny Depp thing going on. Like, you're a good-looking guy, yeah. in my the opinion. Hair cho- the hair choice comes from my Viking ancestors. Well, German oh, ancestors. So the hair choice also isn't your own. I guess. Jeez, man. You've got to read my book, Essential Philosophy on Free Will, because you keep putting everything off to external things. No, because you have, like, long hair, like long, long hair, right? Mm-hmm. And listen, you've got a beautiful head of hair. Don't, don't, you know, this lovely. Lovely to see. Mm-hmm. But you know what that signals to a woman? I guess lack of self-care. No, unless you're drumming for some vastly successful heavy metal band, it means you're broke. Oh. Long hair costs more than short hair, though. I'm sorry? Long hair costs more than short hair. No, in, no, no, in, I get that. Gap. I get that. But <laughs> you show me, you know, the richest guys in the world, and they don't have long hair. Yeah. They don't. Listen, your personal choice of how you appear to the world is absolutely mm-hmm. up to you, and, and there's no totally objective standard. But to me, if, if looking at it from a woman's point of view, if, like, I, I think it's just a huge value. Like, just look normal. Mm-hmm. Like, what's wrong? It's like the people who have those weird little zigzag beards or, you know, they got those nose rings or, like, blue hair or something. It's like, just look normal. Mm-hmm. You know, the dating market is tough enough without giving yourself a handicap. You'd be a great-looking guy. I'm not saying get a buzz cut or anything like that, but, you know, if a woman looks at you and sees that you have nicer and longer hair than she does, (laughs) come on. For a man to have long hair, like let's say there's some woman and she's got like a Rose McGowan buzz cut. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, it's not really attractive in most cases. Well, something's wrong there, right? <laughs> Just look normal. Yeah. And so if you look at a woman with a buzz cut, 
And she says, oh, it's just easier. It's like, yeah, it kind of is. But that's like my friend in junior high school who used to come to school with this big duotang and books and pens, all of that, mm-hmm. in a plastic bag from the grocery store. Yeah. And he said, well, it's cheaper than an Adidas bag. It's like, it kind of is, but it's also kind of more expensive because no woman will date you. Mm-hmm. So to me... but. Right, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. You know, as as a dad, as as a husband, as a guy, I've gone out with a lot of girls and so on. I'm just saying, you might want to reconsider the hair down to your ass approach because I really think that that's going to have it's not that long. Though. I know, but it's long, right? <laughs> it goes out of the picture, down past your shoulders, yeah. right? Yeah, like. Can I push back on that? Or please, maybe please. It's your, it's your hair, man. Contact. And this is not just contact. bald envy, right? I just want to let you know. Yeah. But go on. Because, like, I mean, hairstyle is also culture-related. And, th- like, culture and time-related. I mean, at one point in time, uh, in certain places, all men wear long hair, and that was supposed to be the manly thing. So it's like... Um, I'm sorry, I'm not sure what the, that has to do with... You know, at one I, point, at one point, we ran through the jungle naked with a bone through our fucking nose. It's still not something we want to do on a regular basis in the modern world, right? At some yeah, point, men they, wore petticoats and had high white wigs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe okay. There's because it's not just the hair that makes me look different in normal life. Um, because I like to make historical inspired costumes, or like costumes. Like I, I like to. To, to make uh, costumes that are like like in between modern and like history inspired. So let's say um, the color type, like what you see uh, 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 George Washington Washington wear in the photos. But then take that concept and make it a little bit more modern and modern fabrics and stuff. Uh-huh. And then, but I walk around with that normally, or I walk with a top hat. Okay, why? And why? 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 Why would you do these things when you're not 14? I, I guess it's two things. It's it's part is just a love for a culture that I wish I lived in, I guess. And part is um, at some point I started embracing difference instead of being scared of it or something. Well, first of all, of course, if you were involved in George Washington's day, there'd be a whole lot more work for you to do, which you wouldn't like, and there'd be no porn. So I'm not sure about whether you'd really, really like to live in that world uh, where you get smallpox and fucking die, mm. or you die of a, you know, of a of a, a tooth that goes wrong or something, right? Yeah. So, no, but you, you're signaling. You're signaling to a woman, right? Mm. And I'm kind of surprised you I guess I'm not that surprised like why the hell hasn't your family talked to you about this I mean they know you're still single right why, why your siblings like family and saying look I mean if you want to go and do creative anachronism recreations on the weekend and you want to have live dungeons and dragons mazes and monster style but for god's sake stop walking around with viking hair George Washington pants and a top hat I guess because I told them I don't want them to talk about it okay well, um, 
Okay, so they, I mean, you're, you're okay. We're talking about it, right? And listen, I'm not trying to impose anything on you. I'm just telling you what my, my thoughts are. I could tell you this. Mm-hmm. If my daughter brought you home, I'd be like, here, here's the front entrance. Keep walking. There's a back entrance. Here's some bus fare. Go home. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I don't like playful things, and it's not because I don't like fun things or anything like that. It's not because I don't like difference. Mm-hmm. It's because you're still recreating being bullied and being rejected and being ostracized. The bullies are still... It's the fucking bullies who lay your clothes out in the morning, man. It's not you. They're draping you in all of this shit so you're just as ostracized now at 28 as you were when you were 8 or 10 or 12 or 14. Yeah, I guess. So you don't... you, You can just... You can reject people with your outfits so that they don't end up rejecting you. But of course, it's the same thing, right? You are you have a normal repellent, whereas before you had bo. Now you've got clothing, which is the normal repellent, and maybe a healthy repellent too. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look normal, and then you say to some girlfriend, "Hey, I really love dressing up in old costumes and stuff like that," it's like, "Yeah, okay, that's you know, that's an interesting hobby or whatever, right?" But if this is mm-hmm. your initial presentation, dude, nah, that's nah, not gonna work. It's not gonna work. <clears throat> I mean, I'm really trying to help you get what you want because you, you basically called me up saying, I want a girlfriend and a family, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to clean the fuck up. And you got to normalize your appearance. And you got to deal with the possibility of rejection. Because right now, you're living a life of rejection. You've got nothing to lose by actually being rejected because right now, you're just living that. You get 12 years, right? Mm-hmm. And this is how I know you don't want a girlfriend. Because how, I mean, you've been having this long hair, uh, I assume, for a long time. I guess it takes a while to grow, right? Long hair for a long time. Odd appearance, top hats, George Washington coats, you name that shit, right? Mm-hmm. You're living alone on a farm in the middle of nowhere with tin roof and rain, right? Mm-hmm. No, come on. You, you want more strange things about... <laughs> Absolutely. Let's bring it on. Let, let's leave no sure. stone unturned. I have dated women twice my age. Yeah, all right. Um, well, they, they, they're probably just excited to have, I mean, I guess you look like an older man and that you look about 275 years old, but, uh, with the outfits, but, uh, I guess you're a younger man as far as they goes, right? And, you know, that's, uh, I mean, from, from the cougar side of things, beggars can't be choosers, I suppose. So, okay. Dated women twice your age. What else? Um, uh, my sexual fantasies go to very dark places. Like what? As in romanticizing death. Ah, uh, you Fetici- should read The Sorrows Fetici- of Young Werther. Uh, anyway, go on. The girlfriend, that's a story. The girlfriend I had a three-month relationship with, her favorite book was Amer- American Horror Story. And if someone in the audience has seen the movie, the movie is nothing like the book. I don't know either. I don't know either. Okay. But it's, it's not uh, necrophilia or anything like that. It's just fetishizing death. It is, ne- death. is, it that is right? necrophilia. Oh, it is necrophilia. And like insane levels. And that's what we bonded on, like the sharing of those fantasies. I'm sorry, say that last part again? That's what, that was our bonding moment when we date, when we are texting on chat. And it was like, we start at some point, this subject went there and it was like, oh, you you have those fantasies too and that was kind of where was the relationships <laughs> the 
yeah, started with. And I suppose after that, two necrophiliacs didn't quite find a way to keep the relationship alive, so to speak. They didn't, no. Right. There were a whole lot of issues also um, with her and like she had a terrible, terrible youth. Like, like, uh, oh, abandonment no, listen, by listen, parents. Dude, and listen, sorry to interrupt. Her, her mom would hang fuck on, hang like guys in the next room and stuff. No, listen. Once you say necrophiliac, you don't have to fill in any details for me. Okay. Like, you don't have to tell me, oh, and by the way, she also had a terrible childhood. Like, you, you necrophiliac? Right. I'm, I'm there, right? That, that paints the whole picture for me, yeah. right? Okay. Now, do you think, is this something that you started with, do you think? Or is this something that you kind of got drawn down the porn tunnel to? I think both a bit like for sure it's the porn tunnel that draws you further if you like you want to search for the next new weird taboo thing and you click on websites and they bring you further and the other part is when I was thinking like on a very early age I was already romanticizing that as in I was dreaming about dying with my lost girl together and that was one of the most romantic dreams i could have and the stories from like periods of the past about like i don't know there's one writer here in the netherlands of a book that they suggest to write at school it's called the golden egg and it's about a guy who who abducts a couple separately and then buries them in the ground like alive and then the book is about loneliness. And I never understand why this is kind of art that they teach you at school. But I guess I understand now with the whole uh, insurgency of uh, communism going on. But <laughs> I've, I, I, at a very young age, I found these things romantic. Like I would, I would think about like a girl I was in love with. And then I would think like, oh, what if like. Uh, both our families died and we would have to live together somewhere and then eventually we would starve from that we would be there and we would like see each other's last breaths and, and something like that so i guess it's a combination of both that well but that's that. not that's not a death fantasy that's just i mean life living until the end right no no but like as as i wouldn't be like getting old and dying it would be like something horrible happening or something that would be romantic in my uh you mean like a disease or a natural disaster or starving or something like that yeah or like i would dream about or or, or it wouldn't even be dreams sometimes it would just like they'd be daydreams you know like uh what if two people like kidnapped us both together and then tied us up together and we had to like kiss forever or something till we were you had these dreams like life would go, in a sense, not exactly violent, but confined and fatal, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And when do you first yeah. remember having, I guess you could say, fantasies which you would consider off the beaten path? So you don't mean these child ideas, but like actual... Well, no, just even the sort of the dreams of death as a child. I guess in pr- primary school already. Uh, maybe when I was eight, nine. Right. right. Yeah, something like that. What were your parents' relationship like? Uh, 
very distant from each other. Um, very structural. I mean, my dad came from a strict farming. I'm sorry, did you say spiritual or farming structural? Play, um, structural. Structural. Like okay. very for, formal. Yeah. Uh, my dad came from a farming family where you don't talk about that things, those things. Let's say what things. And, and with the things wasn't just wasn't just romance and sexual stuff, but it was just like not about feelings at all. Like you don't talk about feelings. You just work and shut up. Right. Like uh, a zombie um, almost. Yeah. I mean, they loved work. Like my dad, my dad, my grandfather loved work, but he loved it so much that he worked till he became demented and never actually took time to enjoy the process of, or like the, what he worked for. Hey, hey, that's the Protestant way. Thank you very much. Work. <laughs> it is. Work is virtue. Virtue is work. Yeah. And when we get to heaven, they'll put us on a little <laughs> roundabout like Conan. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And, your and mother? my mother came from, uh, she came from uh, also a bit strict family, but um, that's hard to explain the the culture there. I mean, Suriname culture is is kind of a matriarchy. Like, Sorry, which culture? The, oh, the the, 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 the country that, that was the um, the country that was the uh, colony. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a matriarchy. It's like the the aunts of the family. Like you, every family has this one aunt that like every kid is scared to death for. Um, that you never talk to. You don't even look in the eyes. And the women can have can have this look that just if you do something wrong, they don't even have to hit you at some point. It's just they look, and it's worse than if they would have hit you. Like when you peed your pants, right? No, they wouldn't. That would be a different kind of expression, but more like if they would give you like you, you talk. I don't know. You did something wrong, but you talk back. Right? You're not supposed to talk back to adults. Right. Like basically, it means you were trying to find a reason. You were trying to reason and find a logical argument for the thing you did wrong. But no, you're not supposed to talk back to to old people, to older people, and then they would give you this stare. Like it's. I don't know. I guess people who know that culture know exactly what I mean. Right. Um, yeah, and I think my grandfather even at some point, like he would hit my mother with a belt even. So yeah. They um, call it... Um, both from families where you don't talk about emotions, basically. Right. And they, they call it looking daggerous uh, in some Western countries. Yeah. Or there's an old this I think from Monty Python. Oh, if looks could kill, she'd be in for twenty years. Yeah, yeah, like that. Or the stink eye, they call it. Condi yeah. used to be able to do that. All right. Um so yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about death then. Let's talk about death. Because you know, now I'm sort of understanding why if you remember earlier in the conversation I was talking about how it sounded like you were carrying a burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're carrying a burden. In that your penis is like water dousing you towards the graveyard. It's kind of a burden, right? Yep. Not something that's pleasant to you. And it's it's maybe another contradiction because I 
I find life so interesting, like creation. And that's one thing that drives me in making art, like creating things. Like it's, it's one thing about, about God, like that I love, like the being out of nothing, bringing things to life. It's like the opposite of what I seem to fantasize about. <laughs> I never understand that. Well, okay. So, but there's the things that you create, but they're dead too. Your business is kind of dead. You said that you created all of these games mm-hmm. and never released them. They're dead. Mm-hmm. I say this because I'm just in the middle of reading this audiobook that I've had sitting in a drawer for 20 years. It's bringing it to yes. life. Yeah. So if you create something and don't release it, it's worse than yeah. not creating at all. It's like not yeah. having a baby is better than having a baby and killing it. Mm-hmm. Right? So your creation is yep. death-driven too because your creations don't mm-hmm. get out into the world, right? You kill them in the crib, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I don't see it as a huge contradiction because your creation mm-hmm. results in destruction and you have beliefs that your love will result in destruction or you are drawn to that idea, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that is because you felt destroyed in the past. Mm-hmm. You couldn't fit in at school. You had bullies. You had a cold and unhelpful family situation. You were isolated. Mm-hmm. Love, unloved. And being unloved is actually worse than being hated. Mm-hmm. You were hated by the bullies because you were unloved by your parents. One of the most vivid stories about that as a kid was when I was, at one point, my dad was bringing me to bed and I just had to cry. Like, I don't know why I did, but I had to cry very loudly. It wasn't because of pain or something. I just was emotional. But my, I guess my dad was tired that moment. So, and I had prayed for going to bed and I couldn't because I was crying. And he became very annoyed with me and then angry. And when he gets angry, it's not just strict angry. It's like emotional angry. Like I see, the, I see his face still in my head often. Um, and then he put me like outside the door, like to cool me down or something like that was something he sometimes did. And it basically taught me I wasn't allowed to cry anymore. And I never did after in, with someone around. Yeah, so that's the moment of execution, right? Mm-hmm. And you, was, you said you were eight or nine? Yeah, I don't remember the age, but they're very young, yeah. Yeah, but it's around the same time as you started having thoughts of love leading to death, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, listen, you're a sensitive person. And I say that with great respect because a lot of, oh, he's so sensitive, like it's a bad thing. No, you are a sensitive person. And mm-hmm. that is a great strength if you know how to use it properly. Now, for sensitive and passionate people, I won't say emotional because that also has this negative, like we're all emotional to some degree or another, but... For sensitive and passionate people, coldness is a kind of death. 
because life mm-hmm. is emotion, and emotion is life. Now, I say that for a variety of reasons. One is that it is lust, which is an emotion. Sexual desire and lust is a passion. It is an emotion. That's what mm-hmm. creates life throughout all of the animal kingdom. There is no life without lust. There is no life without passion. There is no life without a sexual drive. Now, for human beings, of course, a sexual drive is not enough to create life. I mean, you can be a frog and bang yourself senseless, and then, you know, you got a bunch of eggs in a pool. They just grow of their own accord, and maybe you can eat them too, right? But human beings, we got to stick together. You know, we got a pair bond for like 20 years to raise a family, or 25 years, depends how many kids you have, right? So now to bond with people, you need emotions, you need passions, you need connection, you need respect, you need love, you need worship to some degree, you need... Emotion. Emotion is what creates life, and in the human world, emotion is what sustains life. The emotion of the love that you have for your partner, the passion that you have for your partner, the love. So, emotion is life, and life is emotion. And I think to some degree, your father's lack of emotion killed him. But I can't connect, Mm -hmm. so I must provide and you take the complete flip image of that and you say, well, I can't provide, but at least I can connect like hell. Maybe a little too much, right, to, to mm-hmm. the girls you just met. Yeah. So for you, being told don't feel is exactly the same, I believe, as being told don't live. Mm-hmm. Now that was the example of your parents. That was a successful relationship. No emotion, no connection, no passion, no love. So for for you, I think, in your mind's eye, deep down, in the base of the ball sack, so to speak, love is death. Connection Mm -hmm. is death. Bonding is death. To care is to die. Marriage is a hearse. Love is loss. And you can only bond by not being there. And so, sure, you imagine that you and your lover are going to end up bonding through death. Because the only way that you could have any kind of bond with your father was to kill yourself, in a way. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Bonding, love, connection, family, marriage, children... It's all death. Listen, I mean, I'm, I'm not speaking about this abstractly, just so you know, like brother to brother, man. I mean, in my family, you, you couldn't exist. You weren't allowed. You could be a shell, like you could walk around, you could eat, you could watch TV, you could notice that it was raining. You could do all of these things. You could um, play chess. You could play Monopoly. You could uh, play cards. You you could do all of the little zombie automaton things that are part of maybe 1% of your life. But you couldn't have any depth. You couldn't have any questions. You couldn't have any spontaneity. And God forbid you had any feelings. Because people who brutalize you, your feelings become their predators because they are waiting always for the blowback of you getting pissed off and fighting back. And so I know 
this landscape. I know this landscape. I'm just telling you, like I'm not up here on high trying to hand down these pearls of wisdom from an unscarred place. Yeah. I know what it's like to be in a household where you're exhausted from non-existence. You're worn down to nothing by not being allowed to be. Where it's all about human doing, not human being, right? Where you can't relax, you can't be spontaneous, you can't share your thoughts. Because people who neglect or abuse you also create within you rancid thoughts that they don't want to see any more than the murderer wants to lead the police to the body. Mm -hmm. They don't want to... They don't want to plumb the depths of your consciousness because they know what bodies they've buried there. They don't want to, you to be spontaneous or alive. or. You know, that's why when you complained about being bullied to your mother, she says, oh, the children treated you like shit back then. It's like, nope, mom. It wasn't the problem. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that you and dad treated me like shit back then. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you would be drawn to death when at the same time thirsting for commitment. I'm not, I may not be right, but I sure as hell can see it. Hmm. But is that an association that I can turn around? Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be calling me if you didn't, if you couldn't. <laughs> yeah. And you would have I, acted I've, it out in a way that would have gone I've very done, badly. I'm sorry, go ahead. One of the things I've tried was like you suggest to some people, like um, confront the, your parents about it. Like tell them how, how from your point of view, what they've done. So I did that. Like, like I don't like lying. I hate it. Even though sometimes I lie unconsciously or like I lie, but if I would figure out that I've lied, I would like, try to apologize or correct or whatever. But my parents and basically like my brothers and sisters too. They're the only people in the world why I don't have no problem lying against my Yeah, I can completely understand that. Should it, should it be the opposite? No, I mean it should I mean I don't know about should, but empirically it makes perfect sense to me. Because your parents lied to you. They said, we want a child. And then what did they do? They denied the child. We want to have a child. But then when that child speaks spontaneously and is emotional, we want that child to not exist. That's fucked up, man. It's like me saying, well, I want a dog. But then the moment the dog licks or pants or barks, I beat it. It's like, I don't want a dog because that's what they do. It means I want to be cruel. I want to torture. I want to destroy. But for me to say, I want a dog and then attack the dog for doing what dogs always do, well, that's cruel. That's sadistic, right? Mm -hmm. So they lied to you and they probably say, I love you. Well, except when you talk about anything real, then we withdraw and punish you but I love you. We're family. Nothing's more important than family. We care about family. Oh, our child is saying something that makes us emotionally uncomfortable. Shut that down now. It's all a lie, right? 
and as I've always said, morality well, I, is reciprocal. I remember if I did, if so, I go ahead. If I was if I was punished for something, I would be put in the hallway, and then I would be like, okay, think about what you've done, and <laughs> then I do did, and I came out with a conclusion. What do you think? Wrong. You're not supposed to actually come up with a thought that you came up with. All you had to come up with was, I'm sorry, I wouldn't do it again. So yeah. at some point you just learn, okay, that's what they want. Yeah, they want an empty echo. They would send me back if I if I gave the, if I gave the actual thought that I came up with during the time. They would send me back like, okay, you didn't get it. Go back and then. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I had to, I had the same shit in my household, right? I mean, I've said this a million times on the show, but my mother, mm-hmm. I would say to my, she would say, "Why did you do this?" And I said, "Well, I thought," and she would say, "Well, don't think." But you see, to mm-hmm. not think is to not be. To not think is to yes. not exist. To not think is to not be human. To not think is to not be fucking alive. Mm-hmm. Which is why, when the debt comes due and the conflagration comes, well, how many people are actually thinking? How many people are actually already? alive yeah i mean we are we are surrounded by the walking dead by the people who have the form and the appearance of humanity but not the essential characteristic of humanity which is to fucking think for yourself Mm -hmm. which is why i've been fighting all of this causal determinism casual and causal determinism in you they were wrong absolutely wrong as wrong as you can be in this world to fight your capacity to exist in such a grim and underhanded manner. Mm. Your father was wrong to work his best to destroy your capacity for emotional self-expression. And your mother was wrong to not defend you from the bullies. And your mother was wrong to create such a non-bond within you and her, between you and her, that the bullies could do what they did. It comes back Mm -hmm. to your parents. Now, you can either vaguely accept that and continue to walk around like a shaggy-haired half-pirate undertaker from 1752, or you can say, fuck that shit. That was messed up. That was destructive. That was unholy in a way. And you are the true Christian in this situation. Mm -hmm. They were the false Christians. Because God himself says, thou shalt not bear false witness. Mm -hmm. I know. And they demanded, as the devil does, that you lie about everything and everyone, and especially yourself you bear false witness. Not that you do bear false witness. They demanded that you become false witness. Not that you tell a lie, but you become a lie. But to become a lie is to die. Because if we can't speak the truth, what's the point of being alive? Mm-hmm. To just be a slave? To be an echo? To be a frightened babbler saying anything for another five minutes of breath. But the graveyard of your childhood shouldn't be your future. Shouldn't be your future. I mean, it could be. It can be. It has been for the last 12 years, right? Mm-hmm. But you got to break out of this mausoleum, this undertaker's 
prison. But you can't you can't let your dead father's commandments to not feel to have you parading around with post fertility women and broken women who dream of sex with the dead. You gotta normalize your appearance. I gotta I guarantee you, man. You cut your hair, you get some normal clothes, you go out in there, it'll be like being out of a prison. It'd be very emotional for you, which is good. So you need to reclaim that emotionality. But you need to present yourself as someone normal so that you can have a life that isn't in this cryptic underworld of dysfunction and disaster and death that you've been stuck in for a long time. How do I change the association of love and death? Well, there's the practical and then there's the psychological. So the practical is look normal. Get some normal clothes. Get a normal haircut. Whatever is unusual or aberrant about your appearance. Listen, if you're such an original person, you shouldn't need to look that original. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if people are so edgy, oh, I got to get a tattoo to show people I'm edgy. It's like, oh, bullshit. Like, everyone else who thinks they're edgy gets a tattoo. It's so unoriginal. Mm-hmm. I look completely normal. And I'm very original. I don't need to display it. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be like Tom Hanks or some, I don't know, non-creepy actor, like, rushing around, jamming his Oscars in everyone's face, saying, I'm a great actor. I'm a great... It's like, dude... If you really are, you don't, you know, you don't need to show off, right? If you mm-hmm. really are original and creative, and I bet you are, then you don't need to uh, telegraph it all with this weird clothing and weird hair. So just look normal. Have the confidence in your own creativity to know that you don't need to signal it like some desperate person. Yeah. My wife has a staggeringly great figure. When I first met her, she was in a big T-shirt and sweatpants, and we met in a volleyball court. <laughs> That's confidence, right? If you know you've got it, you don't need to flaunt it. Yeah. So if you look normal, there's nothing wrong with that, and it can be very, very helpful. Now, this is going to go against your grain because you're used to identifying yourself with this outlandish appearance. I've, I've hated normal for a very long time. That's sure. the word. I get that. I get that. I'm not, I never told you to be normal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or be average. But looking normal mm-hmm. and average is perfectly fine and can be very healthy. Because you want a woman with the capacity to bond, with the capacity to evaluate you, with the capacity to love. And right now, you're signaling guy who fantasizes about sex with the dead. You are. At some level, that's going to come across, and she's just going to be back away, right? Hey, man, I have sympathy, but I, I got plans to make. Yeah. So that's the practical. Mm-hmm. That's the practical. And listen, I get that it's a big... I had actually had... I had long hair and a ponytail way back in the day. And I get that it's a big deal to cut your hair. So, I don't know, maybe 
man bun it in a cap or something. So it just, you know, just try it out, you know, a little bit. See see what that's like. I'm already assuming that you're not trying to get me rid of my hair because you're jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I already <laughs> talked about that. No, no, no. Listen, I, I want for you a great family and I want for you uh, yeah, all of yeah. these wonderful things. And yeah, just mm-hmm. look normal. That's that's gonna it's and it's gonna help in your business, it's gonna help in your social life, it's gonna it's gonna be fantastic. Because when you look normal, the women who are insane don't approach you. Like it, it's a shield. Like a woman with the blue hair and the tats, I mean, she's like, yeah, come abuse me. That's all I'm used to, that's all I'm worth, that's all I deserve. And it's tragic. No, just just look normal. Yeah. It's it's a mm-hmm. normal is the crazy repellent as far as appearances go. You know, because people are like, uh, "Hey, man, you should shave your head." To me, right? Well, a it's way too much work. Mm-hmm. It's and b yeah, it's great. Let me talk about race and IQ with a shaven head. Yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna go great. <laughs> that's gonna go just fantastically. <laughs> it's like I don't know why people want to get yeah. me killed. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So the physical, the, the practical. Yeah. So the physical, the practical. Yeah. That's that's um, that's one one thing yeah. that I would really really strongly suggest. And listen, if you hate it, you know, it's gonna take you a year. You regrow your hair, right? But I would say at least give it a shot mm-hmm. and and see. You might find that you elicit a better response from the kind of woman you actually want rather than the kind of women that your parents programmed you to want. So that's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, as far as breaking the association. Well, that's anger. So you have, you have a mind infection called necrophilia. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why the infection is staying, and the same thing with the pornography, is that your immune system is not recognizing it as a virus. But your immune system, so to speak, has an ambivalent relationship to the mind virus that is isolating you. Yeah. Right? So you all know, right? I mean, AIDS, right? You don't... You don't die from the virus. You die from the virus taking out your immune system and therefore everything else gets you, right? Mm-hmm. So your immune system is not active because you have an ambivalent relationship with the mind virus. Yep. So the question is, how do you activate your immune system to fight this shit and get rid of it? or at least integrate it, or whatever you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's only one aspect of the mental immune system that you're not manifesting. And I've been Emotion. waiting for you to manifest it the whole conversation. You haven't, which is fine. It's perfectly fine. Emotion? Do you know what it is? Is it emotion? Well, I think you've been emotional, but it's a specific emotion. Anger? Yeah, you got it. You know, right? I'm you know. scared of I'm scared of angry me. Sure. Yeah, because, because your I'm parents scared of angry dead. Yeah, your 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 parents' anger was destructive. Mm-hmm. And so you imagine that your anger would be destructive as well. Yes. I see my dad's face every time I think about me being angry. Right. And my dad's face, if he's angry, is terrifying. Of course. But I would submit that your dad wasn't angry. Your dad was not angry. That's not anger. Mm. See, anger is something that peaks, acts, 
and subsides. It peaks, it acts, and it doesn't last. Day, month, year, decade, lifetime. Anger. It's a pulse. It's not a steady tone. There is only one emotion. There is only one generally conceived of as negative emotion. There is only one emotion that does not pulse, but rather is a steady background noise that lasts a lifetime. Do you know what that anger is? No. It's hatred. Yes, of course. Hatred does not pulse. Hatred sits and squats and shrieks and groans and maintains a consistent tinnitus tone for an entire lifetime. I was just I just posted about this on Parlor. The story of my parents who'd been separated for 25 years after they divorced. They hadn't been under the same roof. They're under the same roof again. My father sneezes and my mother had complained that he'd had a cold throughout their marriage and she turns at me and she hisses ang- as angry as ever. That's probably the same cold he had when we were married. Nothing had changed. 25 years. It's constant hum. Yes. Anger doesn't last. Hatred lasts. Anger's like an orgasm. I'm scared I'm going to hate if I get angry. Well, you hate already. The hate is already there. The hate is in your failed relationships. The the hate is in your failed businesses or business. Mm -hmm. The hate is actually in your appearance, in that you hate normalcy. And you already said, I hate normalcy. I hate normal, right? No, the hatred you already have. The anger is the only thing that can cure you, in my humble opinion. I've been angry once. How do you call it? Uncontrolled? No. Sorry, say again? Like undampened anger. Oh, you you dampened your anger? Yeah, I normally, like, I get angry sometimes a little bit, but I dampen it. I've only not dampened it once, and that was actually at God. It was a storm, a storm was coming up, and it was actually, you could see it in the distance. Like, the Netherlands is a flat country, so everything is coming, you see it coming from very far away. Um, you could feel it in the air, and at that point, I just... I felt the anger just coming up at every bullshit thing and where I was in my life and it just didn't change. And I I just ran outside into the storm, into the it was hailing. It was the lightning the lightning was the lightning was very close. I just ran into the field behind the house where I lived and just screamed. Right. I just I think that was that was my only uncontrolled anger moment. But I was disappointed. Well, honest. After I, I mean, you, you there, can listen. There was no answer to. No, but no it's God. the way it's the way you phrase it. Don't phrase your anger as uncontrolled. You're just honest. Anger can yeah. save your fucking life. Yeah. I never told this story, but uh, I was in a relationship with a woman who would yell at me, and I was reasonable and I was calm and I would right. And then eventually I was like, you know what? You yell at me. I'm just going to yell at you back. And yeah, we had a pretty epic dust up to the point where someone knocked on the door (laughs) in concern. 
but I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not backing down. I'm not. I'm not going to fold. Now, very shortly thereafter, I was out of that relationship. Thank God. <laughs> that anger saved my life. Appeasement was killing me. Or enslaving me, which is kind of the same thing. Yeah. I had another relationship with a woman who just complained about things about me. And I've never quite understood that. You know, like, okay, if, if you like someone overlooked the irritating little things that happen from time to time. But just constant complaining. And anyway, so I, I pointed out, I said, listen, you know, I mean, I, I come to your place and it stinks. Like she had a couple of cats in a pretty small apartment and, you know, it's it stinks. And it wasn't like she was not, it wasn't like they were crapping on the floor or peeing on the rugs or anything. It wasn't anything like, it was just, you know, I don't, and I, I, I didn't say this because I thought, oh my God, she, she's she got to clean up. It was just like, yeah, okay, there's little things I put up with. I come over to your place and yeah, I have to kind of get used to the smell. And I don't nag at you about that, you know, just let things go it's 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 a more pleasant experience right anyway so it turns out the next time i came over she had obsessively cleaned the place from top to bottom right Mm -hmm. and at first i was like oh that's kind of nice and then i'm like oh no it's not oh no it's not no 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 she's saying i'm gonna clean this place up so that i can continue to criticize you about things and you can't criticize me about this i was like oh shit (laughs) shortly thereafter out of the relationship right yeah. So getting angry is healthy. It's healthy. I can I can feel it that it's there somewhere deep. As in I what you say like I feel the anger is there is the key to get to me getting out of the point in my frame now. Like to me getting out of this house that I don't own to getting out of no one fucking caring about my artworks that I make, that I spend time in, that I don't finish. <sighs> Anger about getting out. All the Wait a second here. Wait. I'm sorry. I was going to let that go. I decided not to. Are you blaming people for not caring about artwork that you neither finish nor share? No. I, I just, just, I was pointing to the result of my own actions but like, no no see you, you blame no, no, that's the thing you're blaming other people for artwork that you're not finishing and you're blaming other people so you don't get back to the root cause which is your family yeah and not just your family then yeah. but your family now you've got seven brothers and sisters assuming they all made it who aren't driving over sitting down with you for the long weekend and just helping you unpack all this stuff mm-hmm. so you've got you are hey listen there's a lot of people out in your life who should be caring about you enormously and should have been for 28 years. But don't blame the world as a whole mm. for not caring about art you neither finish yep, nor yep, share. Yep, I know. It's, that's not their fault, right? Yes. All right, but I'm so sorry. Yeah, so, you, so the anger's down there. So listen, my suggestion is get yourself into therapy. Now, listen, I know you don't have a lot of money. If you need money for therapy, let me know. We can We can sort something out. I can... Give or lend you the money or whatever. I want to make sure you get that. But get to a good therapist and sit there with the therapist and ask, you know, are you good at dealing with anger? Because a lot of people see anger as toxic, right? Mm -hmm. Because anger destroys political 
and coercive and exploitive hierarchies, right? Like yeah. governments or even in businesses or mm-hmm. families or whatever, right? So anger is, is the great antidote to exploitation. Anger is mm-hmm. the self-defense against it, right? Now, tapping into that or getting that power is really important. But, you know, you have a habit of trying to do everything yourself, right? You said this with, well, I should have handled it myself, should do it myself. Problems that are created in solitude cannot be solved in solitude, right? The scars that come from being alone can't be solved by continuing to be alone and just work on yourself and blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So I would strongly suggest, you know, get now. Getting to a therapist is probably easier than it used to be now because people are doing stuff online because of COVID and stuff like that, right? So, but that would be my incredibly, you know, like if you take one thing out of this conversation, interview a therapist about their experience in dealing with anger and uh, then just, man, open up like hell and get in touch with it with their guidance and help. Uh, the last time, though, that I went to some kind of coach, I got sexually exploited, though. So it's. You what now? <laughs> I'm sorry to start such a subject that you wanted to end the conversation, but uh, we could dip into that for a sec. Uh, what the hell? Um, I mean, I know that sexual exploitation somewhere in your history. Now, this is this is where, right? Yeah. Uh, during my student time, I was part of a student uh, group, like basically a fraternity, but not only guys. But you mixed. mean in college? Yeah, in college. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. During the group, like one of the people there, one of the, the 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 guys there, he suggested like, "Oh, I know you have some things you 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 want to work on with yourself." I know I I've met this guy. He says he's a, like a coach slash psychologist, and you can uh, maybe just have a meeting with him and then see if maybe he can help you. And he wasn't like registered at any psychologist thing or something. It was just like. Self like a mentor or a life coach. Yeah, self-proclaimed thing, right? coach thing. So I did a conversation and he's like, he's a guy like, he knows how to listen. So that drew me in because that's not, I don't meet these people very often in my life. So I thought, well, okay. Uh, but he was quite expensive. Like he asked, I don't know, 50 euros for a session. Holy crap. Uh, I had no reference, so I was like, oh, it's quite expensive. But And the guy said, no, 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 he's worth it. He's worth Jeez, it. and here he's, I am free. Anyway, go ahead. He's worth it. So then the guy said, yes, I suggest if you can pay, we can also exchange services. Like, I know you can make websites. I need a website for my other business. So if you make a website and then we have an amount of sessions uh, that ends up with the same value. Um, so through these sessions... Uh, they went to my to my porn addiction at some point, and he started. He he was he was way too interested in the details, and I found it a little bit weird, but not like alarm bells weird. He's just curious. He's, yeah, <laughs> it's just like oh, okay. Apparently, he needs stuff for like to to give a suggestion for help or something. Um, and at one point, he came up with this theory. Like, okay, I'm addicted to porn because I need to. Uh, demystify it was his word. Yeah. Um, because I I do it because I like the secret secretiveness of it. So if I would do it like, and then he suggested like, okay, what if you do it here, and then I I watch, and then for you it's more less mystical because now someone has it, so it's not 
Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to need to scrub myself down with a moral sea urchin <laughs> after this story because, like, holy fuck. That is, like, so off the... Uh, okay, 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 but go on, go on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, like, at that point, I was quite desperate. Like, okay, if, if that works, so I did it. And I remember oh a session before thinking to myself, like, if he's going to ask something like get me getting naked or something, I'm not going to do that. Next session, I did this. So I changed my mind somewhere. And I've always assumed, okay, it was my own idea to change my mind. But people can manipulate you, even how, no matter how smart you are. Um, Wait, so so you you did the, you watched it, but you didn't get naked. Oh, I got naked and I jerked myself off watching porn while he was watching. Oh my God. And then at I'm the so end, sorry. he gave a compliment that there was a lot coming out. And I found it a little strange. A little strange? <laughs> Were you in a top hat? No, don't ask. Don't answer that question. Don't answer that question. Do not answer that question. Oh, my God. I am so sorry. Like, in all seriousness, that is just a creepy, hideous, disgusting, exploitive ugh, way to, to behave uh, on the part of this coach or whatever the hell he was. And I'm, I'm incredibly sorry. Did you ever report the guy? Uh, I just recently did, but only, and this was already like four years ago. So he stayed in contact with me through WhatsApp uh, messages. Sometimes asking me how it was going. Like we didn't do any sessions after because like the it was the the amount that we agreed on. Um but he like would contact me like, oh, how are you doing? And sometimes that would go into conversation again and then that would pivot to the addiction and he would ask details and then I would be like, Why do you need to know that? Um he was always dangling like sometimes I would say, like, Oh, I I can't do it with my business and it's not working out. He's like, Yeah, I know how to fix it. For two fifty per hour, like he wouldn't oh, say it like God. that, but that that would what he suggests. Like he never lowered his price or something. Like I really want you. No, to help man's you. got standards. You're a special person. Like you're such a special boy. Like I never met someone like you, and I'm very interested in you personally. That's why I'm st staying in contact. But I'm not lowering the price. <sighs> and at some point, I was very lonely. I think it was beginning this year, and desperate. And he he started the conversation with me around uh, New Year, and he was one of the people who wished me new year out of the blue like no one else contacted yeah, yeah. me. yeah happy new year yeah no one else contacted me so i was already a bit like softened towards oh. him and then i was desperate and lonely it was a party and i felt alone and then he started talking about the addiction again and then he suggested uh, i said something like oh I, I like to i like to be naked in the open just it feels free something like that and then he was like show me and at that point, I was like desperate and uh, horny and stuff. So I was like, okay, whatever. If you want it when I get home. So, yeah, he would suggest that I do things in front of the camera and just watch. And the weird thing was, like, I was at some point, I was, okay, maybe you're just like secretly gay and you. He was married, by the way. And I was like, okay, maybe you just want to cheat and you just want some secret. Night well, it's another dead marriage, like your parents, right? Yep. But he always stayed in that weird mental role. Like, I was like, okay, if you just want to cheat on your wife, just go with it, like, show your gay, whatever, and just... But he always stayed in the role, like, no, I'm doing this for you. Like, yeah, yeah. you are happy if people watch, so I'm doing this for you, and I'm, I'm happy if you are happy. It's like... <laughs> so, next day, I said, like, okay, I don't want to talk about it anymore and then 
I blocked him. But even then, I blocked him a few months later because I, I hate blocking people, like not giving them a chance. But people like this. No, it's, that's, I bet that's an anger boundaries thing, right? I mean, yeah. boundaries are painful for you because whenever you tried to have boundaries with your parents, you'd get attacked, right? Yep. So I never got right. angry with him too. Like I only got annoyed. But, but you did report him, right? Yeah, so I report, I'm report. i talking to a, a, a lawyer that gives pro bono adv- uh, advice to people who have issues with like coaches and sexual... Okay, can I, can I just make one suggestion? Yeah. If the lawyer starts asking you about your porn addiction, <laughs> please change lawyers. That's my only... Own, and listen, good, go after this guy because he could be doing it to, I mean, he probably has done it to a bunch yeah, of other there, people. Yeah, there is one guy, the younger. guy just suggested him from the group. I heard from others that he is still in contact with him. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. So, I'm so sorry. So, yeah. for God's sakes, please go to somebody who's accredited somebody because that's so wildly wrong and, and exploitive and, and abusive. I, I mean, for my, yeah, it's not a legal judgment, of course, right? But I think it could be, but yeah. I'm not a lawyer, but oh my God, I'm so sorry. That is a terrible, terrible thing yeah. to do to a young man who is looking for guidance and help. Mm. That is absolutely appalling, and it's yeah. such a betrayal of trust, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry yeah. that happened. Yeah, according to the law here, because normally it's like if there's no force involved, like no physical force, then it it's not prosecutable, but because he is in a position of power as a mentor, then it does count. So I have some options, according to the lawyer. So. Yeah, and I mean, there is a certain amount of, um, that's not what you were there for. Yes. You know, you know, hey, privacy of your own home, consenting adults, I might find some of it particularly gross, but, you know, I got better things to do than to go around policing other people's uh, private parts. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're going there for therapy and you're going there for mentorship and you're going there for guidance... Yeah. And, you know, there there is an authority aspect to it. Uh, and then he's convincing you as a somewhat lost young man to perform these acts while he watches. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that is, yeah, that to me is, uh, it should at least be known. You, you know, even if it can't be prosecuted, it should at least be out there that this is, hey, you send, this, you, you send someone to this guy, this might be going on. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm so sorry. I, again, I'm so sorry. Okay, so. Yeah, so, I mean, my and I've got a, a podcast, I think it's in the 1920s uh, in terms of podcast numbers, uh, but you can find it, fdrpodcast.com, there's a whole search engine mm-hmm. there, how to find a good therapist. It's not authoritative, cause I, but I had a bad therapist, and that a good therapist, and there's ways that you can figure it out, I have a whole podcast on that, but... Uh, yeah. If it's somebody who is uh, accredited and, and, you know, I'm not a big one for government licensing and so on, but, I mean, this guy sounds like a real loose cannon, and yeah. uh, I would yeah, definitely get somebody who... That's the thing, like, he's not licensed, so... No, no, I get that. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. I get that. Oh, yeah, okay. man, if that was his license, I mean, <laughs> my, if he was licensed, I can't even... Like, what would happen to him would be... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it's hard to say. The licensing boards are pretty random all, all over the world, but yeah. uh, it certainly would... I think be against best and practices. Seeing, seeing the, gof- the government's tendency to to some protect some kind of <coughs> shady people or yeah, into yeah, uh, sure. sexual trafficking and stuff. So, okay. Well, listen. Yeah. Uh, we've had a long, long chat, and mm-hmm. I really, really appreciate your honesty and your frankness. Mm-hmm. And um, I, how do you feel about about the chat? Yeah, I feel pretty good. It's, it's yeah, interesting okay. that it's completely different than all the staff talks I had in my head. Like <laughs> well, good. No, yeah. because if it wasn't, then there wouldn't be much point. Yeah. Uh, th- like who, who wants to have a conversation when you know what the other person's going to say? But listen, exactly. re- re- real sympathies. Yeah. Real sympathies for what you experienced and what you went through. Yeah. And 
the fact that pornography, sexuality was associated with ex- extreme humiliation for you as a child, but the bullies putting it in your backpack and your mom finding it and all of that. These are very bad associations to have. And I don't mean that it's bad for you to have them. It just means that continuing to indulge them is letting the bullies win, right? And it's really important to not let the bullies win. I mean, everybody in my childhood was kind of set up to enjoy my supposed failure. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it hasn't really come to pass, I suppose, <laughs> which is good, right? Certainly, I've got a great uh, family life and uh, my career, while it has its ups and downs, has been uh, mostly, mostly pretty positive, I think, at least for the world, for sure, and mm-hmm. for me mostly as well. So I would say really have a review of your appearance and just see what it would be like. You know, you can try and stay, just, just, just wear some normal clothes and then, you know, tie back your hair a little, you know, uh, or, or maybe wear some normal clothes and wear, you know, one of those flannel caps that the, uh, I guess the Dutch people are fairly famous for and, and mm-hmm. tuck it up and, and just see what it's like to be out there. You probably will feel kind of naked and vulnerable because you'll be moving in an entire, entire different social circle. Yeah. And uh, or at least have the potential for that. So, I would say stuff with the appearance, and you know, there. If you can't find a therapist right away, you know, there's, there's Nathaniel Brandon, John Bradshaw, a bunch of other people have really good self help books and workbooks and so on. You can start the sentence completion exercises from Nathaniel Brandon are pretty good in my experience, uh, and um, so I would you know at least start to work on journaling and that kind of stuff, and just work on what it's like to go out with a more normal appearance. Work on letting this anger out and don't confuse the anger with the hatred the two are complete opposites Hmm. complete opposites anger is i'm going to get rid of something destructive in my life hatred is i can't get rid of something destructive on my life so i'm going to continue to rage against it until one of us is dead and and that is very much think of hatred more like the cytokine storm you know like the covid Hmm. patients the, the the immune system can't figure out where the virus is, so it just starts attacking everything and lays waste to internal organs, left, right, and center. Well, that's hatred. Mm-hmm. Hatred is I can't identify the problem, so I'm just going to, like you had hate normal, right? Hatred is I can't identify and, and isolate and eject the, the, the danger, so I'm just going to attack everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, anger is much more focused and specific. Anger is a healthy immune system. You can think of hatred as a permanent cytokine storm. And that's if that helps you in an analogy, then don't confuse Defending yourself against your father's hatred with being your father, that the two are complete opposites. So anyway, will, will you also let me know how it, how it goes with you? Uh, so yeah, I just, I just wanted to say uh, thanks again for the call. And, and please, please mm-hmm. drop me a line and let me know how it's going with you, all right? I really, yep. I really care how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening and doing this whole podcast thing and like being a force. It is my reason. absolute pleasure, <laughs> of course, for everyone who enjoys and finds value. I don't enjoys, finds mm-hmm. value in these conversations. Uh, please yeah. uh, uh, help me out. Freedomain.com maybe, forward slash donate. Maybe this Thanks is a so big much. compliment for you, but normally I um, fall asleep for uh, in during church, but I've never ever like even come close to falling asleep during your monologues and speeches. So. That's great. And I'm also completely <laughs> thrilled that it doesn't sound like you searched for any porn during the length of this conversation, <laughs> which I consider to be an enormous honor. Uh, and I appreciate that. All right. Take care, man. And keep me posted. Right. Thanks so much for Good the call. Night. Bye. Bye.